the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. On the Central Coast, it is Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. I'm Dave Congleton, welcoming you to another edition of Hometown Radio. Thank you for joining us. We are with you all the way until 7 o'clock on this broadcast today. During the 4 o'clock hour, guess what? Former high school basketball coach locally is still apparently showing up at basketball games. Hmm. We'll tell you what we know. Pete Howard at 505 is back with us from Heritage Auctions, where he's the entertainment and music consignment director. Lads talk about what's valuable these days in terms of rock and roll memorabilia. Ingrid Pierce just back from South America at 605. It's a lot, but we'll get through it. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. First up, always good to be in conversation with uh, Jim Gregory. Historian extraordinaire, president of the South County Historical Society, author of one, two, three, four, five different books. Mr. Gregory, how are you? I'm doing well, Dave. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me on. Good to see you again. Thanks for coming up. I understand you wrote another book just on your drive up from Rio Grande. Is that I true? did. I, I did. And that was while simultaneously uh, checking my body parts that are all still attached, That's even still though I turned 72 on Thursday. So that was a relief. How does that feel? I don't know how in the heck it happened. Well, you're a little bit ahead of me, but I'm catching up to you fast. <laughs> You've got some uh, gigs coming up. We should mention those, please. Yeah, I'll be speaking uh, at Friends of the Price at Adobe about uh, the arrival of World War II and its impact on the South County. Um, Presbyterian women in Napomo have invited me to speak about uh, women's history in Royal Grande and the rest of the South County. Uh, the retired active men uh, who meet in Oceano. I'll be talking about World War II aviators. I do love airplanes. They are a tough crowd. They are. They are. They, they are a tough crowd. The, uh, I've been there. The food's not not bad, but uh, yeah, it's a tough. It's a tough crowd. It's the Rodney Dangerfield tough crowd. That's a tough crowd. And uh, then I'll be talking eventually down in Santa Maria. Very nice folks at the Marcel Senior Center. And I'll be uh, talking to them about very early aviation history, the first flyers, which included, uh, I am proud to say, Harriet Quimby, who claimed to be from Royal Grande. He was the first woman in America to earn a pilot's license. Hmm. Uh, it sounds like you enjoy these speaking engagements. It sounds like you might be available in case people need a speaker. You know, uh, I, am a, I am a retired high school teacher, and you cannot shut us up. <laughs> I remember uh, I took uh, some AG high kids to uh, Notre Dame, and uh, there is Saint Denis, who's the patron of Paris, 
And it said that well, there, he's holding his head in his hand. And the Romans, I guess, murdered him by uh, beheading him, and he continued to speak even after losing his head. So old high school history teachers are much like Saint-Denis. Uh, Jim Gregory on this broadcast. So the topic we have chosen today is that we're going to talk about famous Americans who have actually either passed through the county or spent time here. Right, and the list could be endless. These are the only the the few that I uh, that I came up with. And we're not even talking about people coming to Hearst Castle. Uh, we could mention them too because yeah. I I love old movies, and you know, uh, it is a, a veritable panoply. Oh, I like that word. Very good of old movie stars that, ding, ding, uh, ding, that ding, went ding. up the road to Hearst Castle. Bonus points for using that word on <laughs> AM radio. Well, let's get let's give an example now. Well, it's not famous Americans. This is famous people. Here's one I had no idea of until you sent me your list. Nikita Khrushchev. Yeah, in uh, the fall of 1959, he was on a state visit to the United States. This was this was at a a real downtime for us too. Uh, Sputnik had been launched two years before, and if you remember the old movies from American space technology at that time, our missiles went uh, sideways. They did U-turns. They blew up on the launch pad. Uh, so it was it was a real low point for for America in many ways. Uh, Castro had just come to power in Cuba. But Khrushchev came to America, and his uh, his trip included a West Coast swing. Uh, he uh, visited the uh, the filming of Can Can with Shirley MacLaine, and Mrs. Khrushchev was horrified by the Can Can dancers, but they carried on. And then they came north uh, on uh, the train, uh, which, as you know, the train goes right through the center of uh, Vandenberg Air Force Base. So Ike made sure that all the missiles were out of their silos and up on the launch pads. Uh, and it said that Khrushchev studiously looked the other way when the train was going, going through Vandenberg. But eventually, uh, they stopped. Khrushchev, his entourage, and no fewer than 300 reporters were on that train. What's uh, neat, and I think you can Google this. It might just be on YouTube. There was a PBS uh, a f- has film of that visit to San Luis Obispo. So you can see our train station, see the crowd gathered, which was actually quite warm. Um, uh, And and Khrushchev was too. And this is a credit to him because for um, security reasons that elude me, he and Mrs. Khrushchev were not allowed to visit Disneyland. Really? And they were crushed. Yeah, they were they were outraged. Uh, so uh, he took off his shoe and started pounding it. He did that at the UN, <laughs> but I'm surprised he didn't do it uh, on on a trip to California too. Uh, my suspicion uh, is that the, whoever was the goofy character that year was a fervent anti-communist. <laughs> so maybe maybe that was the reason. But um, so what did he do in San Luis Obispo? He mingled and. Uh, uh, he was amazingly gifted at it. This is a guy, as you say, who uh, pounded his shoe uh, at the UN, who said to us, we will bury you, who engaged in a kitchen debate with Richard Nixon. Uh, when Nixon trumped him by saying, well, you may build, build better rockets, but we build better color TVs. Um, and uh, he arrives in San Luis Obispo, gets off the, the train. And there was a crowd there, uh, and he started mingling with people. 
he picked up a little girl who's a daughter of a poly professor, gave her a hug, and the old photograph. She looks terrified. Uh, but uh, this is a, a, a real, uh, uh, real event in San Luis Obispo County history. He got back on the train, headed up north, and again, uh, that visit is somewhere on on YouTube, uh, courtesy of PBS's American Experience. In the 37 years I've been here, I have never heard this story. Yeah, and this was, you know, I remember uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, 1962. Uh, Mom sent Dad uh, to the, the store so that, by golly, we might be nuked, but we wouldn't go hungry. Yeah. And there was nothing <laughs> left on the shelves. It looked like, you know, before a Florida hurricane. We were on the playground uh, playing softball or whatever at Branch Elementary School in the upper Rio Grande Valley. When suddenly tin foil started falling out of the sky, like the kind of, of aluminum foil that people used to put on Christmas trees, well, it was it was called uh, chaff, and it was used to confuse enemy radars. So somewhere many thousands of feet above us were U.S. Air Force planes uh, practicing for World War III. So heck, that's the kind of atmosphere I grew up in. It just so to have Khrushchev. Uh, come here and be greeted so warmly and be so warm in return. Uh, kind of a tribute to San Luis Obispo, I think. Maybe we can have John Ashbaugh start up a campaign to have a bust of Khrushchev placed in Mitchell Park, well, right next to the Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go with John. Uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt is my favorite presidential father, but that's mine that's, too. That's, that's, He's that's my favorite too. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was that was a brief. Uh, of course, what Ike was supposed to return to visit to the Soviet Union the next year, but that was when Francis Gary Powers and the YouTubers shot down. So that put the kibosh on the return visit. We're in conversation with historian Jim Gregory. He's president of South County Historical Society. He's author of five different books, and he's regaling us with stories of famous people who actually spent time in this county. We'll come back with more stories. We're live, we're local, we're Hometown Radio. This is the Dave Congleton Show, always your Hometown Radio talk show. Checking in on the Stolberg line, here's Charles. Hey, Charles, he says that Khrushchev couldn't visit Disneyland because it would have necessitated closing the park to the public for security and cost Disney too much money. There you go. Walt Disney, a powerful man. Does that make sense to you? I don't know. Again, but, uh, that, was a, that was Disney's call, but the man's right. Jim Gregory is with us. He's president of the South County Historical Society, author of five different books, uh, gracing us today with a conversation about famous people who have spent time in the county. First one was Nikita Khrushchev. Second one, Al Capone. And I need to, uh, to to caveat this. We're about 90% sure uh, it was Alphonse Capone. Uh, there's a photograph, uh, Pismo Beach historian Effie McDermott's wonderful history of Pismo Beach. And there is a gentleman uh, at the Waldorf Club in Pismo Beach. Uh, it's 1927, and it is an old family photograph that has been passed down. Uh, I can't remember the family's name, but passed down uh, through the generations. And the gentleman... Uh, politely holding his cue and waiting his turn to shoot is is said to be Al Capone. Um, hmm. You could take this with several grains of salt, but uh, to back uh, that family's contention up, I found an article by an old-time uh, Chicago Tribune reporter 
who said that the San Luis Obispo County coast was one of Capone's favored spots for smuggling Canadian whiskey uh, on shore. Uh, we were remote. Uh, there were a grand total of two Coast Guard cutters between Monterey and Los Angeles, one of them with a top speed of eight knots. Uh, so uh, freighters would uh, stop offshore, and then uh, fishing boats would bring the booze onshore uh, to Pismo Beach. Uh, one of the smaller-time bootleggers we had was O.T. Buck, who owned what is uh, today McClintock's in Shell Beach. Uh, it later became Maddie's Restaurant, and then... Uh, eventually, of course, today's McClintock's. But O.T. Buck uh, was a bootlegger, too. Uh, he provided the liquor for uh, the guests at Hearst Castle, uh, including Cary Grant, uh, uh, let's see, uh, O'Marion Davies' uh, friends included Grant, uh, uh, inc- they included uh, Gary Cooper, uh, uh, Fairbanks and Pickford, uh, this list, Winston Churchill, who I can't imagine staying anywhere without having a drink. Yeah. So it was O.T. Buck who provided uh, uh, the booze, evidently. Mr. Hearst did not approve of drinking. Uh, Ms. Davies did. Uh, so they had lively parties at Hearst Castle that were lubricated by a bootlegger from Shell Beach. But mm. Capone was in California at the time. Uh, he was visiting up and down the coast. That was until the then chief of police of the LAPD, Jim Davis, found out that Capone was here, had him picked up, uh, driven to Union Station in L.A. and put on the next train east. And then shortly thereafter, his visit here to our shores, uh, the uh, famous St. Valentine's Day massacre uh, yeah. took place. So there you go. So Jim Davis physically kicked... Al Capone out of California. Yep. Get out of here. Get out of here. Go back to go back to wow. your people in Chicago. We don't need your business, Mr. Capone. But uh, that restaurant uh, or, or that pool, a pool hall where he was shooting pool is uh, uh, today the Cool Cat Cafe. Huh. And uh, if you look at the old picture and look at the interior of Cool Cat, the same bank of windows is there. And I still maintain there's a place, there's a booth about where Capone was waiting his turn to shoot pool, if indeed that was Capone. And it should be, I think, uh, the Al Capone Memorial Booth. I like it. Have Have you physically seen the photo, Jim? I have. And what do you think? Do you think I it's think Capone? It's I think it's him. Uh, he uh, right. uh, He's still rather dashing looking. He hasn't put on the weight that he would uh, in later years. And uh, uh, again, uh, in 1927, he was in California. So there's a possibility. And he came back to California later when he did time at Alcatraz. He spent a lot of time in California <laughs> later. Yes, abso- absolutely. Uh, and uh, then... Of course, he would he would eventually be paroled and die in Florida. But, right. uh, Jim Gregory on this broadcast. Famous people came to the county. We've got uh, Nikita Khrushchev. We have Al Capone. Now, here's another one. Amy Simple McPherson. She is uh, a, f- a famed radio preacher during the 1920s. Uh, she's the founder of the Angeles Temple which is still in Los Angeles, Foursquare Gospel Church. There are thousands of Foursquare Gospel Churches throughout America today. But Amy was something special. Uh, she, uh, among other things, received acting lessons from Charlie Chaplin. Evidently, her sermons were spellbinding. Huh. And sometimes she dressed up in costume. Once down to the wooden sabbats, she came as a little Dutch girl. And uh, her impact was such that uh, she's been fictionalized. She was a character in Nathaniel uh, uh, 
uh, Nathaniel Davis's novel, The Day of the Locust. Uh, she was uh, uh, Gene Simmons in the film Elmer Gantry, dressed up as a milkmaid. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a ripoff of yeah. Amy Semple McPherson. And then there have been at least two recent television miniseries. And Craig has more information. Yeah, her estate slash house is in Lake Elsinore. Wow. Uh, California. And how, how do you know that? I used to live in Lake Elsinore, oh. and that was like the first thing the locals told me, because up on the top of the hill was this Turkish-looking estate. It was very uh, unique, but it looked like it was probably from the 20s, 30s era, and it was very odd, and they, everyone would say, oh, that's Amy Semple McPherson's house. That was, and it <laughs> it became, and it still is, I believe, part of a religion that she founded. Okay. And people go there to worship or do whatever the church thing they, they do. That is the thing that she started and left it as a commune for them. Wow. Okay. So it's still a going concern. And that's, that's a tribute to, to her charisma and, and uh, her command of radio. Uh, she, uh, she, after the uh, Santa Barbara earthquake in 1925, she leaped into a radio station while someone, not Dave Congleton, was on the air, yanked the microphone and issued a plea for help for the citizens of Santa Barbara. And within hours, there was a convoy of trucks with relief supplies headed north from Los Angeles. Uh, Her church was uh, integrated in the 1920s, which was unheard of. Uh, She ran a soup kitchen for the homeless out of her commissary, which ended, unfortunately, in 1932 when a still was discovered inside. Um, And uh, she uh, was known for her charitable good works. And then... uh, Unfortunately, well, one day the headlines hit that uh, Amy had drowned off Venice Beach. Uh, and Angelinos in general, she was a celebrity. She was the, uh, the Vin Scully of evangelists. Uh, were devastated. Hundreds of people gathered on the beach while searchers combed the surf for her body. No luck. That was in May. Uh, and in June, she... Uh, uh, she turned up in Agua Prieta, Mexico, and claiming that she had been kidnapped and held prisoner in this little house in Agua Prieta. She told her story while recovering in a hospital in Los Angeles. But there's a, there's a little bit of San Luis Obispo in this story as well. Yeah. Well, we got uh, 90 seconds before the news break. What's the it, connection to San Luis? The Andrews Hotel, which is where the city county library today, a Mr. and Mrs. Gibson checked in in May. And the desk clerk, even though she was wearing a, uh, a, a veil, recognized Amy uh, and later testified to that at, at the trial uh, where she was charged with fraud. It turns out she had not drowned. She had not been held captive. She had run away with her radio engineer to what the newspapers called a Carmel love nest. A Carmel love nest. You got to give us Carmel love nest. Those are something, I guess. But the alert clerk had spotted her and identified her uh, on their way. Uh, she, uh, uh, of course, her, her reputation was, it wasn't destroyed. It was, it was dampened. She continued to preach. She enjoyed popularity until, unfortunately, she took her own life. Uh, in the 1940s. Oh. But uh, there were 11 truckloads of flowers that accompanied her to her rest at Forest Lawn in Glendale. But she spent the night here in San Luis Obispo, and that's where she was discovered after this hoax. She was busted (laughs) by an alert hotel clerk, no less. And what did the hotel clerk do? 
Did, did you report it to the press? or He reported it to the press, and there was a trial. I can't remember exactly whether hmm. she sued or she was sued, but he was one of the witnesses at the trial. See? Well, says nothing ever happens in this town. Uh, Jim Gregory is here for the hour. He's the president of the South County Historical Society, the author of five different books, regaling us with stories of famous people who spent some amount of time right here in this county. We've got news and traffic and weather and more of our conversation straight ahead. You're listening to The Dave Congleton Show. Tomorrow on Hometown Radio, we will offer you a uh, conversation with 3rd District County Supervisor Don Ortiz Leg. Susan Hoffman, our resident uh, bibliophile, makes her monthly appearance on Thursday. Next week, I'm on vacation. Not to worry. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. We are in conversation with historian Jim Gregory. He's also president of the South County Historical Society, author of five different books. Jim, as uh, we come back to you, let's remind folks of some of these upcoming presentations you're doing. Yeah, I'll be speaking uh, to the Friends of the Price Adobe about the impact of uh, World War II, which was massive. There were three times more servicemen here than there were people, residents of San Luis Obispo County during World War II. Uh, I'll be talking about early aviation at the Marcel Senior Center in Santa Maria. Uh, women's history, uh, distinguished women of uh, the South County's history at the Presbyterian Church in uh, in late February, I think, or early March. And then those uh, retired active men who are always a hoot. Uh, I'll be talking about uh, World War II aviators from San Luis Obispo County. And a reminder that Masters of the Air uh, which is produced by Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg, uh, who also did, of course, the other epic World War II series. Uh, they will take to the air and uh, talk about World War II pilots, and that will include Major Everett Blakesley, who uh, retired in San Luis Obispo and flew a B-17. And we had David here last week talking about the show and about his dad. Just an amazing man. Podcast is up at 920kvc.com if you missed that. Meanwhile, with Jim, we're talking about famous people who have spent some degree of time in this county. Historic figures like Al Capone, Nikita Khrushchev, Amy Simple McPherson. How about Amelia Earhart? One of my favorite people uh, in so many ways. I think, uh, David, she was inspired uh, in large part by a woman who claimed to be from Royal Grandy, and that was uh, Harriet Quimby. It was the first woman in America to earn a pilot's license. Uh, it was the first woman to fly solo across the English Channel in April of 1912, and then tragically died in July 1912 when her monoplane uh, plunged into a harbor uh, near Boston. But Amelia would have known about Harriet Quimby, uh, so she became determined uh, to become a pilot too. And in 1936, she came to San Luis Obispo. Uh, The airport then was uh, off of today's Tank Farm Road. It's called Clark Field. I wish I knew what plane she flew in. Uh, She had a a marvelous bright fire engine red Lockheed Vega that had been her previous plane, and they were still working on the the, uh, 
just as beautiful uh, Lockheed Electra that she would fly the next year on uh, the round-the-world trip that ended tragically with her disappearance. But in between, she came to Cal, to Cal Poly. She specifically wanted to see Cal Poly's uh, aeronautics program, which was already uh, famous. Cal Poly was the first American college or university to build its own monoplane in 1928. Uh, and it was uh, looked suspiciously like the spirit of St. Louis, which is no coincidence because Lindbergh had flown that plane across the Atlantic in, in 1927, in the year before. So she said, uh, you know, I've flown over your town before. It's, it's, it's so tucked in and cozy-like, and I've always wanted to visit. So on, uh, in 1936, she did. And there's a wonderful, there are a series of photographs of her in front of uh, the uh, aeronautics department with the instructors. Also uh, photos of her with uh, some of then President Julian McPhee's family, including his daughters. Uh, I think they had five and they were all gorgeous. And there's Amelia Earhart in San Luis Obispo, California. Mm. She loved everything that was being taught. Uh, and uh, uh, it would be the nucleus of that uh, department, students from that department, that would found today's airport uh, in 1939 off of what was then called Edna Road. But Amelia, of course, uh, pointed out one thing, and she said, and, and where are the young women students? And uh, she was not too pleased at that. She said, a woman has uh, just as much right to pursue her dreams as a man does, and that includes flying. Uh, so she enjoyed her visit with, it, with that one exception. And uh, the newspapers, uh, the big headlines. Uh, she was, of course, an immense celebrity uh, in the 1930s, and it was uh, it was uh, uh, she was very well received here in San Luis Obispo. Uh, Jim Gregory on this broadcast. Um, remind me, did they ever find her? They did not. Uh, they're, they're still ha- looking for. There have been yes, lots of uh, probably the most. Uh, Haunting clues is another thing that was big in the 30s uh, was the ham radio. And there were people, there are reports of people in Texas, in the Midwest, who said, are said to have heard, heard excuse me, uh, Amelia's voice on their shortwaves uh, long after uh, she disappeared. Um, unfortunately, uh, all, of the, all of the tales that uh, uh, seemed to, indicate that her discovery was imminent, have never panned out. We still don't know what happened. All right. So let's uh, go back a little bit further in history. Buffalo Bill came here not with one, but two different shows. In 1908 and in 1914, three years before his death, the Wild West show came to San Luis Obispo. I need to remind people that uh, he had played around the world, including to Queen Victoria and no fewer than four royal princesses uh, in London. Uh, He came here uh, as well. Uh, By the second visit in 1914, his star was starting to fade a little bit, so he was co-billed with a traveling circus. (laughs) Uh, But uh, he was here nonetheless, and they set up in Mitchell Park uh, for the Wild West show. And uh, Cody, of course, had won fame as a scout, uh, uh, he had en- engaged in several fights with uh, 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 Plains tribes. Uh, he is also, of course, now known uh, more notoriously for having killed an estimated 4,000 buffalo uh, 
uh, one of the objects was to feed the workers of the Union Pacific Railroad as they laid track uh, headed west. Uh, so he was uh, one fame as a killer of buffalo, which, of course, led to the destruction of the Plains tribes. I'm trying to picture Mitchell Park as a site of a... It's, it's, it, I think, I'm not sure they had a show there, but you got to have your buffalo and your horses and your elephants somewhere. Yeah. So my hunch is that maybe that's where they kept the animals. But it was, uh, it was the. I, I grew up in the 50s and 60s, and uh, before television, uh, uh, this was the equivalent of of uh, a western. You know, it had uh, daring rescues. It had people who had never seen buffalo and would never see them until Alex Madonna brought them here. Uh, would see them at at the Wild West show. Um, he uh, he also had uh, earlier. Uh, Sitting Bull as an attraction. Sitting Bull, who had an encounter with two Royal Grandy settlers in 1865, was with the show in the 1880s. What what did he have in 1865? Uh, we had uh, two settlers in Royal Grandy who were cavalrymen on the Powder River expedition in oh. 1865. And their first night out, the commanding officer camped midway between Red Cloud and Sitting Bull. And when the Native Americans found out they were there, one author wrote, they fell on them like angry badgers. Uh, and luckily, the two fellows survived to, uh, to live to great old age, but they were attacked in succession by Red Cloud, Sitting Bull, the Cheyenne Roman Nose, and a young fellow, uh, uh, also a Lakota Crazy Horse. Somehow they survived. So he has a little bit of a connection uh, with uh, San Luis Obispo County history as well. Uh, kind of like a Hall of Fame there of Indian warriors. Yes, they, they, and they, uh, they hmm. all personally attacked our fellows. Uh, Crazy Horse did what was called a dare ride uh, up and down uh, the line of wagons. They formed a square, not a circle, and the soldiers were blasting away at him. And he was riding up and down and up, and by golly, they couldn't hit him. Uh, so he he showed his stuff. Kind of like Kevin Costner at the beginning of Dances exactly, with the Wolves. Exactly. It's called a courage ride? Uh, d- dare ride. Dare ride. Dare ride. Yep, you mm-hmm. can't hit me. All right. Uh, we are a hit with uh, Jim Gregory. He's the president of South County Historical Society, author of five different books, sharing with us stories of famous people who have spent some time in this county. We'll come back for a final segment. Happy Tuesday, everyone. I'm Dave Congleton. You're listening to KVEC. Top of the hour, it's ABC Radio News. Then we'll try to figure out why a certain former basketball coach is still apparently going to basketball games and hanging out with the team and some other local stories as well. We're in our final segment with Jim Gregory, president of South County Historical Society, author of five different books. By the way, Jim, how can somebody join the Historical Society? Uh, it's very simply. You go to our website. Uh, at uh, You can Google it, Royal Grand or South County Historical Society. And there's a membership form there. You can also stop in at Ruby's house uh, between one on one and four on weekdays, uh, knock on the door and say hi, Joe. And uh, Joe will have membership applications inside, and also uh, I think there's some outside uh, next to the mailbox. 
All right. on South Mason Street in Rio Grande. We've talked about Nikita Khrushchev and Al Capone and Amelia Earhart and Amy Semple McPherson and Buffalo Bill, all famous folks who have spent some time here in the county. How about the James brothers? Oh, this is a, a part and parcel of, of uh, Paso Robles history. And um, it kind of comes about uh, because their, their father, uh, Robert, was a Baptist preacher, even at a church in Clay County, uh, Missouri, uh, a Southern Baptist after the uh, disagreement over the institution of slavery. In a gold rush, he came west to California to proselytize in the gold fields, and Lord knows the gold fields couldn't use it. Uh, but unfortunately, he, uh, he contracted um, of cholera and died in Rough and Ready, California. There's a good name for a town. I love that town. 18, in <laughs> Rough and Ready. Rough and Ready. <laughs> So there were, that was one of the motives for them coming to California and to their, their Uncle Jerry's ranch. Uncle Jerry had come uh, to the gold rush, too. But like Levi Strauss, he figured out that gold, gold money and gold panning was for suckers. So he started a cattle ranch to feed the miners, which was much more profitable, and mm. later became a co-founder, of course, of the Paso Rules Inn. So they visited Uncle Jerry in 1868. Uh, one of the reasons uh, was they, they wanted to find their father's grave. They never did. Um, also, Jesse had been shot twice during the Civil War, uh, and it was thought that the hot springs might be a curity for his wounds. So just to clarify, we're talking about Jesse James, Frank James? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he actually had been shot in Lexington, Missouri, where the man whom I'm named for, a Confederate uh, Brigadier General, had fought a battle in 1861. And there's still a cannonball in the county courthouse from that little disagreement. So that's where Jesse had uh, was shot in the chest. Hmm. Uh, he also robbed a bank in Lexington. I'm sorry, I digress. But I need to tell you about uh, uh, deep-fried pickles. Deep-fried pickles. They are incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, Missourians are fond of any food that is fried. And my wife and I visited Lexington uh, uh, last year when our niece graduated from the University of Missouri, saw the battlefield. But we ate at a wonderful little restaurant, good Reuben sandwiches, and for the first time in our lives had French fried pickles, and they were incredible. Well, the restaurant was called The Heist. The Heist. That's a strange name for a restaurant. Well, it turns out it had once been a bank, and it had been robbed by Frank and Jesse, before they came west to San Luis Obispo County. Ah. So that's why it was called the heist. But evidently, uh, also, they, uh, as things were hot in Missouri. Uh, there was a, a radical Republican government in place, uh, very uh, firmly anti-Confederate, anti-ex-Confederate, as both the James boys were. And uh, they were on, uh, on the lookout for uh, Frank and Jesse, who have been involved in several robberies before coming west, uh, which included uh, the killing of four innocent bystanders. But they were here for about a year uh, playing a cowboy. They were not cowboys, but uh, Jesse was a superb horseman. Nobody laughed at, uh, at his roping skills because he had a 36 uh, Colt Navy revolver. He would occasionally pick off a ground squirrel from it, so they respected that. <laughs> they... Uh, Returned to Missouri in 1869, uh, pulled off a bank job where uh, Jesse uh, shot, the, shot the cashier dead. He thought he was a, a man who had betrayed a friend of his during the Civil War, 
and it turned out it was a case of mistaken identity. He oh, had murdered an innocent man. Huh. Now, the James brothers often rode with their cousins, the Youngers, Cole, uh, Cole Younger, Jim Younger. Uh, and that brings us to the Daltons, who also are connected to the North County, because the Daltons' mother was a Younger. And in fact, uh, uh, Bill Dalton was a rancher near San Miguel. Very respect, respect man. There's, I have not been able to find a record, but there's one claim that he was even a California State Assemblyman. <laughs> but uh, I haven't <laughs> been able to prove that yet. Yeah, okay. But uh, his brothers, uh, 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 their mom, by the way, had 14 children. Only five of them turned out to be bank robbers. So that's not a bad batting average. Uh, but among them were his brothers, Bob and Grat. So they came to visit uh, uh, Bill out here in San Miguel in 1891. And uh, they like to, uh, I don't recommend doing this in combination, but they like to barbecue, shoot their pistols, and drink whiskey simultaneously, uh, which disturbed prayers at uh, the, uh, the nearby Adobe Church. But they stayed for a few months. Then they went back to the Midwest and I think, David, they had a thing about outdoing their f- more famous distant cousins. So they decided in 1892 they would rob two banks at the same time in a little town called Coffeyville, Kansas. And uh, the citizens of Coffeyville uh, soon got the drift of what was going on, raided the nearby hardware store for every, uh, every uh, firearm on the shelf, and proceeded to ventilate the Dalton gang. Bob and Grat were both killed, as were two other uh, uh, two other members of the gang. And their bodies, as was common in those days, were prominently displayed on the boardwalk of Coffeyville, Kansas. And that was almost the end of the Dalton gang, except for Bill. And I have no idea why, but Bill decided he was going to follow the outlaw trail as well. Prominent man, cattleman, respected citizen. Nope, he was going to go back east and pick up where his brothers left off. And he would wind up the same way. He uh, pulled off several robberies in the Midwest. And uh, he was, uh, a posse was hot on his trail in Oklahoma in 1894. And would have been hotter, but they ran into a wagon load of contraband whiskey, which was bound for the Indian nations, so they confiscated it and drank it. And the next day, the only two reasonably sober people were a a sheriff and his deputy. And they had a tip. They crept up on a hill overlooking a cabin where one of Bill Dalton's friends lived. And there was Bill playing with his friend's children in the front yard. When a little girl leading a cow passed them, saw them, uh, walked into the front yard, whispered something to Bill, who uh, took off running hell-bent for leather. Uh, the sheriff and his deputies followed him, uh, uh, air-conditioned him several times with their Winchester rifles, and caught up to him. He was lying in a farm field. Uh, he turned up, looked at them, smiled, and died. Uh, that was the end of the Dalton gang, except oh. for Emmett. Emmett had been at Coffeyville, too. Uh, he, uh, during the course of uh, the, uh, the abortive robbery, Emmett was shot 23 times. 23 times. And survived. 
and uh, to the to the uh, grace of former undersheriff Tim Storton, I have a photograph. Emmett became a consultant for Hollywood westerns, and he autographed a photograph of himself on his horse, and it's made out to Jess Lowry, who was the sheriff of San Luis Obispo County. So Jess Lowry, our sheriff, once knew a member of the Dalton Gang. Twenty-three times shot, and he survived. Yes. Not comfortably, mind you, but he somehow survived. That's an amazing story. So a pretty colorful place. Uh, You you know, we're centrally located. A lot of people heading from north to south or vice versa. But as for the Jameses and the Daltons, they actually lived here as well. Tim, uh, Rebel Tim is texting on the Stolberg line. He likes the idea of barbecue, whiskeys, and beer. He's he's in. (laughs) Good for you, Tim. (laughs) What's the website for the South County... It is info at South County uh, History Org. All right, let's uh, uh, talk to Rick. Hey, Rick. Hi there. Hi. Hi. Uh, does your guest know anything about the James Jesse and Frank James up in Paso Robles in the eighteen hundreds? We were just talking about that. What, what, what year were they in Paso Robles? Do you know? Was it before the Civil War? Yeah, eighteen sixty-eight to early eighteen sixty-nine. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. You betcha. You're welcome. Uh, now, now there are there. I mean, there are plenty. John Wayne used to come up all the time to San Luis. To he was a partner with Alex Madonna. Yes. He, he was seen all over town. Barbara Streisand and James Brolin were fixtures here for many years. Josh Brolin, you still see occasionally. Benedict Cumberbatch was uh, spotted Texas line dancing at the end. And of course, you have uh, Neil Young and Daryl Hannah. Right, have taken over Atascadero. <laughs> And they came here, uh, Neil, Neil Young and the Eagles, soon after the Eagles had released Desperado, which is based on the Dalton Gang, uh, performed in concert at Cuesta College and, uh, for $5. Five bucks. <laughs> Five bucks wouldn't even buy you a drink. No. At a Neil Young Eagles concert today. But they, they were here. Hmm. So we, uh, a very colorful past. Uh, I always uh, love uh, uh, making new discoveries. I found out uh, uh, doing a little uh, research on Native Americans in the area and found out that a guy who had, uh, tragically, who had been a, a rancher in the Wasna Valley east of Rio Grande was responsible for bringing uh, Juana Maria, the woman who lived on uh, one of the islands by herself in the, in the Channel Islands off Santa Barbara. I was trying to explain to two women from the Morro Bay Chamber of Commerce the story about the actor George C. Scott and his ship, his, his yacht, encountering trouble back in Morro Bay years ago. My good friend Scott uh, Red, who is an accomplished photographer, took the famous picture. And, and these that. women had no idea who I'm talking about. Oh, dear. Yeah. They, I even talked to... They never heard of George C. Scott. Daniel Day-Lewis uh, uh, a couple of days ago, and, and two young women had no idea who I was talking about. But mm-hmm. uh, Always good to have Jim Gregory on this broadcast. Thank you for your time, sir. i got about 30 seconds for a final thought. Uh, may I put in a plug for uh, a beautiful little bookstore, Monarch Books in Royal Grandy on Brant Street in Old Royal. Uh, and I know they have my books on sale, for which I am much grateful. Uh, you can also get them at the uh, San Luis Obispo Historical Society, the old Carnegie Library, uh, at Ruby's House, uh, the, um, of course, the uh, South County uh, Historical Society's headquarters, and they are also available on Amazon. And at Monarch Books, the parking is always free. 
that is even better. Yes, even better. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you, your David. time. Off we go. News, traffic, weather, 4 o'clock hour starts now. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.